Hey, Shannon. Hey, Michael. So, how do we feel about 80s fashion? Fantastic. Really? Really, except maybe not leg warmers, but <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I could I could rock just like working out in a leotard. That would be a good time. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. also, my favorite article of clothing is a pink acid wash denim jacket from the 80s, thrifted in Shoreditch, London. It's just amazing. And one time I thought I lost it and cried, and Joe had to comfort me. So. Yes, we were. Uh, <laughs> oh. That was very early on when we were dating. Um, so we were long distance at that point. <laughs> so there's, you know, it's funny. This actually, um, you have a really intimate relationship with this movie. I do. Yeah, because it takes place in Georgetown. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. I went to college at Georgetown University, and so mm-hmm. much of this movie is shot in Georgetown. Oh, it's yeah? Wild. Yeah. In fact, we were walking near, we were pointing out during the movie, like, we've walked near that. We've been right there before. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a couple of those bridges and those streets that they've walked down, yeah. Like, I recognize most of the places that they filmed in. Oh, Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, so mm-hmm. that must have made the whole montage of uh, Steve and Diana walking around even more surreal. Yeah, did you feel any vibes? Did you feel nostalgic? <laughs> I felt nostalgic for college. <laughs> <laughs> Celine? <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. Oh, f- shout out to you, Celine, friend of the pod. Yeah. Um, but how, how about you, Joe? How, how do you feel about 80s fashion? You know, I was going to say I feel fine, but now, I don't know. It, it, yeah, like, I feel like 80s colors are are fun. I really like bright, vibrant colors in clothing. Mm-hmm. Um, although I tend to wear a lot of dark blue. Um, <laughs> but I, I appreciate it. I, I get it. Sometimes it can be a bit gaudy. Sometimes, like, for example, there are a couple scenes in this movie where they're working out, and I don't understand how people worked out like that. Um, <laughs> it does not look comfortable. But mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I am I am like lukewarm on it. What about you, Michael? You know, I think I like the shoes. I always thought, mm. you know who I always thought dressed kind of cool? This is kind of a, sh- a throwback to our previous episode. I always kind of liked how Marty McFly dressed. Yeah. So like, you know, because he kind of rocked the casual suspenders Definitely. and he had like the Nikes. Uh, I always thought he looked kind of cool. And admittedly, he has the denim on denim, which I think can look a little tacky. But. You know, with the right person, the right person can pull it off. Oh, you see, that's uh, where you and I disagree. I like denim on denim. Really? I like that. Once again, I said blue. I really like blue as a color. Joe, your favorite color is a borderline neutral color. I know. But I like when you could do that and then you have like pops of color within it. So put like, <laughs> so put like denim on denim, the red handkerchief <laughs> on, you know? Okay, we'll dress you up after. Great. <laughs> 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 Why are we talking about 80s fashion this week, Joe? Because we are talking about Wonder Woman 1984, directed by Patty Jenkins and starring Gal Gadot, Pedro Pascal, and Kristen Wiig. And we, uh, Michael, you and I, along with our associate producer here, Shannon Theobald, Woo! Pop the Culture <laughs> Podcast. Um, welcome, if you are a first-time listener. We, uh, we tend to analyze different pieces of film, TV, video games, comic books, whatever, from our literary, cultural, and entertainment backgrounds that we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And for a fair warning, this movie just dropped recently. Uh, we are going to be fully spoiling all of this. So if you really care about spoilers, 
please uh, turn away now and go watch it. Uh, we know it's two and a half hours long, and we respect you if you make it through, but if you can't and you just want to listen to people talk about it, that is totally fine. We promise this podcast will not be two and a half hours. <laughs> yeah, let's just let's just pad this podcast up full of meaningless things until we eventually get to the point that we realize at the beginning of the story. So we fine. have to end talking about 80s fashion. Mm, yes. Exactly. <laughs> and and that is why 80s fashion is good or bad. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, spoiler warning's over. So thoughts. We all watched this. You know, this is still pretty fresh in our brains. Uh what are your just kind of first, you know, kind of gut pulses coming out of this movie, other than the idea that I think we all agree this movie doesn't need to be two and a half hours long. But thoughts, what are you what's what's going through your brains? Yeah, I felt pretty exhausted. Um, <laughs> and, and it's funny that I felt that way because not a lot actually happens. Like, mm -hmm. we got to talk about like the differences between story and plot really quickly. Like, for like, there is a lot of plot that happens, but not a lot of story, right? Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. When Pedro Pascal's character, Maxwell Lord, um, mm -hmm. the villain, like takes over the white house basically like that point mm -hmm. to the end of the film it's so long and it doesn't need to be no and they pad it with so many other extra like themes because it is like supposed to be like an 80s movie it, it just really overbloated itself mm. yes yeah what did you yeah. what did you think shannon i thought it was going strong in the beginning and then i mean a lot of the middle could have been condensed or cut out but it's interesting because they spent so much time trying to get you to understand like the motivations and emotions of the characters but somehow it still didn't feel warranted to me their actions yeah yeah and maybe that's because i don't have a background of the comics or i haven't seen the first movie for a while but mm -hmm. Diana in particular, I get that she loves Steve, but other than that, what does she think and feel? I don't yeah. know. So. Mm -hmm. I guess she cares yeah. a lot about the truth. <laughs> but why? Because she didn't get to win this one contest one time? It is the weirdest Chekhov's phrase that does not come back until the end, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's like, why is it like this was set up right at the beginning Two hours and 15 minutes go by, and you're like, oh, that's right, we did start here. Where we're having conversations about the truth, when this movie also seems to be about desire and, yeah, uh, like, kind of holding on to the to, to past that was true, but isn't true anymore. Yeah, I'll say, I think I 100% I, I agree. There's a lot of padding in this movie, and there's a lot of external conflict that is meant to motivate our people that seems distant from the the true heart of the story, which is the emotional and internal conflict that's going on with all of our characters, and like least of which is Diana, where I think it's it's like this, you are clearly struggling with moving on and you have this kind of desire to be with your old partner again, and that doesn't seem that seems like good, like that's a good premise for a movie, but then it got, it gets like expunged with this whole story of like global conflict mm -hmm. and it's a weird they create a lot of weird synonymous ties with people's inner desires and larger like systemic problems 
that feels failing on several accounts, but least of which doesn't make for a very compelling narrative. Yeah. Yes, it's it's tried to do too much at once. Um, mm-hmm. Internally with these characters and externally. Yeah, I was gonna say, you know what the thing that made me the most grumpy? How the fuck? Tell me, how the fuck did we get a dad narrative in a story about Wonder Woman? I know. Like, who the fuck? Who the fuck? I, just, I know. I was, like, sitting there, like, what? 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 <laughs> and that brings up an interesting point, because midway through the movie, during one of our many pauses, when I had to ask questions to Joe, um, I was making some comment about how they like sexualize Diana through her outfits. And Joe said, Mm -hmm. okay, do you think that that was a woman's choice though? Like the director is a woman, correct? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like the same could be said of the dad narrative. Like, I don't know who was involved in that decision, but just Mm -hmm. because a movie has a female director doesn't mean that it's, not still influenced by like patriarchal ideas because absolutely that female director has been steeped in our society you know Mm -hmm. so yeah i i think the dad narrative is an interesting question because if it was this director or if it was a writer whoever like what were they undercutting by choosing to put that in there was it purely a financial choice because they thought it would get them more box office dollars or Mm -hmm. were was this another case of believing that you know you have to have this male story in there to make it a compelling movie Mm -hmm. yeah that was an aside but (laughs) No, you're, you're, I think you're right. Like, there's, there's, unlike this movie that doesn't acknowledge uh, larger external forces, there are other things. Like, you know, it's ultimately, even though the director kind of gets the, or gets to be on blast for lots of things, they ultimately are just one person, right? You know, there's writers, producers, least of which execs that disprove of things. You know, I know Jeff Johns and Scott Snyder had their, had their hands in this film as well. And you could summarize a lot of their filmography with just <laughs> daddy in, in, in quotation marks. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it, it's not all on Patty Jenkins to, you know, I don't, I'm not saying, ah, oh, I hate larger things impacting something that could have been a bit better, right? You know, like that's, and like the sad part is that kind of gets hung up with Pedro Pascal's whole, whole identity of this movie. And I guess I this we can come back to, I, I kind of have thoughts on the on the the, st- the kind of where he ends up later least of which is with the race stuff but something i guess i guess to kind of go through this what did we think of barbara when we kind of first met her because i was kind of reading i was kind of doing some preliminary reading on Kristen wig and the decisions she was making when she was performing the character and the number one thing she said is that she wanted to create a villain that their rise to villainy was something that could be understood and almost related to. And so I was wondering if any, either of you kind of got that sense from it. Yeah. Oh, I 100% like related to her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like at least most of the women I've spoken to 
have felt that way at some time. Like when, like especially when she's looking at Diana, thinking like, "Oh, she's so much better than me," which is interesting because I was noticing in myself, even while I was watching the movie, comparing myself to Gal Gadot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like who hasn't had that moment where they're kind of starstruck around someone they think is quote unquote cooler than them and mm-hmm. like just i felt like uh barba was at the beginning of the movie a caricature of that moment when you're lying in bed at night thinking of all the stupid things you did during an interaction <laughs> like if you just acted all of those things out in real life that was barbara mm-hmm. yeah yeah it was um it felt very campy, but it felt mm-hmm. it felt it in like the most earnest way. So like when she made her choice to keep her powers and fight against Diana and like support Max, like that made sense to me. Well, I guess when they were fighting at the White House. Mm-hmm. So like up to that point, that made sense. I guess there was an interesting character choice that I found when she beat up that guy in the street. <laughs> Because she's like, her her whole point was fighting him because he harassed her. But like leading up to that, a bunch of other men were also harassing her. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I felt that that was like a weird, I think that that in and of itself was a weird scene. I didn't quite like that characterization of Barbara in that moment. Because it just felt inconsistent within the context of that scene. I don't know, maybe she kind of realized the power she had. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. like she had previously seen Diana kick this man to the ground mm-hmm. she was like oh i can do that mm-hmm. now too mm-hmm. maybe that's mm-hmm. what they're going for mm-hmm. but it did kind of just seem stuck in there as a moment like "Ooh, she beats a gross guy yeah i was gonna say i think the the problem with that scene is it's shot a little bit too villainous yeah it's shot from his perspective of him looking up at her to kind of be her be intimidating and like the strings play to kind of be to to show like oh this is her this is like a turning point for her when it also feels weird that like this guy's also kind of like a shithead you know <laughs> like, like, like totally. why why like it, what's wrong with her kind of punching the shit out of this guy like, exactly yeah like it did not feel like it didn't feel like a villainous turn turn at all but it was shot that mm-hmm. way it was just like this is like a breaking point for her and I understand that. But, like, why does this have to be the, the antagonistic point for her? I thought yeah. that there... I thought they were going to do more with it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Because you do have this... It, it is a very villainous scene. And I thought that later on in the movie, they were going to have a conversation about her realizing that she's been a villain. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I didn't get that anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just the only time that Diana really has that type of conversation with her is she's when they're fighting in the White House and Diana's just like, you're not the same. He used to be nice. And that's literally the dialogue. (laughs) Um, I want to hear Barbara's thoughts and see her development. And like mm. at the end, when everyone's renouncing their wishes, we don't really get anything from Barbara, which I think is a real miss. Yeah, no, big, big agree. I mean, I, I think totally like the the heart of this movie is their relationship, mm-hmm. like what like what both these women want and like how they are in relationship, to, like what their relationship is with their, you know, whatever they think they want. Right. Mm-hmm. And 
Yeah, it sucks that there's no real communication between them after yeah after the White House scene. Least of which that there's still an hour of the movie after that. But yeah, it's it's almost like they should have been friends a little bit before the movie got started, so that like their relationship had a bit more history that they could pull on. Yeah, but then you wouldn't get the you wouldn't get the scenes with uh, I guess Barbara's awkward interactions, and it, it is like a part of Barbara's character is that initial meeting of diana that you related to right shannon yeah i feel like and i think from that standpoint i understand why they chose to keep that in and set Mm -hmm. the the meeting as the beginning of the relationship rather than like an existing one and yeah i think that that's in part what kind of like drags down the plot of this film two and a half hours because on top of that they're gonna throw in a dad narrative and also uh they're gonna they're gonna add steve trevor back as well it's the b plot right theoretically like the a plot being des- uh described as the external plot and the b plot being an internal plot with the characters i feel like there was a hope for the b plot to be a little more prominent than it actually is with diana and barbara kind of going back and forth of especially when she says like you're not nice anymore it's like well did barbara value her kindness beforehand because mm-hmm. it's supposed yeah. to be zapping a view of what you True. like what you value the most for diana of course it's her strength like that's like her whole thing but for barbara like what did you like what was like what did you want or what did you like what did you value about yourself that you're now losing sadly it's it's not because i don't think the subtext is there you know she doesn't get the like it's like it's really just saying barbara doesn't get the attention she deserves like there's a there's a there's a there's a the base of a really interesting character here but she Mm -hmm. didn't get to have the internalization on screen for long enough Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i also think that they could have made her an even more compelling villain because that point when she chooses to fight against Diana is a turning point for her as a yeah. character because up until that point, she's been just idolizing Diana. And now she mm-hmm. says, no, I'm going to go against her and like make my own choice, even though it's a bad one. <laughs> That's an yeah. important character point. Yeah, that's a better turning point, right? Because it's like, mm-hmm. oh, I am now fighting the person I wanted to be like. Yeah, exactly. That's that good shit, right? That's like the, <laughs> the friends to enemies kind of thing, back to friends at the end of the movie. That, yeah, like it, it could have just been about their relationship to each other. And yeah, but we, we don't we don't quite get there. I almost wish that Barbara was just the villain and we didn't have yeah. any of this plot about What's his name? Maxwell Lord. Maxwell Lord. I feel like we didn't even need him. <laughs> yeah, he he has no place in this movie. Like I, I understand Pedro Pascal's doing, uh, you know, doing a good job of hamming up his lines. Like he is such a ham in this movie. He's so punchable. <laughs> but like we we don't need him. We don't we don't need him to be in this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just felt like, and I know that. Patty Jenkins had talked about how a lot of this third act was uh, was studio mandated changes. Um, mm-hmm. some of it even like even barbara's like transformation into cheetah her character in the comic book um so that mm-hmm. wasn't in the movie before i suspect not because this movie's been in development for years now right yeah uh, because of the pandemic mm-hmm. and there was a lot of pushback online when early photos have been released of her being in like just her her like third stage costume when she's in like the leather jacket with spikes and cheetah skirt mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. 
when that came out online, everyone's like, this isn't really her. She needs to have fur. She needs to look like Taylor Swift and cats. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> A monkey's paw actually turned when people wished for that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... That is a studio mandate, and it feels like, as you had talked about, like that this dad narrative was shoehorned in maybe as a studio mandate to try and make this an all-around blockbuster appealing to males. Um, mm-hmm. well. <laughs> dads, you want to see Star Wars? Come see, come see Wonder Woman 1984. We've got Pedro Pascal hamming it up for you. <laughs> Pedro Pascal already has a dad thing. Mm-hmm. It's The Mandalorian. Go watch it. Like, it, 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 get out of my Wonder Woman movie. <laughs> Yes. And and I also understand that, like, and I guess another thing that um, Maxwell Lord is a classic Wonder Woman villain, too. Yeah. Um, So I understand the need to put him, like, or not the need, but the desire to want to use him as a character in a Wonder Woman movie. But, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we can move past that. So in the comics, is Maxwell Lord and, are Maxwell Lord and Barbara connected in the way they are in this movie? No, and, like, that's something that the movie... So, I guess in the comic books, Barbara has had multiple origin stories. Sometimes Mm -hmm. she's just, like, has cheetah powers and actually wears a cheetah costume. Mm -hmm. And other times, she has been cursed and has this cheetah body. So, like, and to some extent, that's, like, comic book accurate. But tying that curse to Maxwell Lord, as they do in this movie, Mm -hmm. is not a comic book thing. Got it. Um, It's interesting because it does make sense for her character in a way that she's seeking that validation from him. Yes. But mm-hmm. I see why they did that. Yeah. Like you had both of you had pointed out, like, why do we need to empathize with this guy? Mm-hmm. No. He could have just been a villain. And I just like don't the relationship between him and his child is not built up at all. Like no. when he runs to hug no. him at the end, I'm like, you suddenly care about your kid? Excuse me? <laughs> And then, like, you know, because then the violins start playing, the sweeping yeah. music score, you know, comes in as soon as they hug each other. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, I have no, I have no, I, like, I actively wanted to, like, if anything, the relationship with Steamy Building is that you wanted to see this fail. This kid needs a new dad. Give him a new parent. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like, he technically has a mom. He only sees the kid every other weekend, apparently. Yeah, but, like, she's not in it. <laughs> yeah, and- problem um and (laughs) another problem but what's interesting is that they kind of like maxwell ward's character is confused he at the beginning he he says he is motivated to be someone that his son is proud of like Mm -hmm. that is like an emotional connection and i like and i'm like oh that's a good beat but it never comes back he doesn't earn that he doesn't earn that he like none of his other actions other than his first interaction with his son ever like prove that that Mm -hmm. is his motivation yeah I don't know. I feel like it could have, if they wanted to make him a redeemable character, which I still think, as we all agree, is detracting from Barbara and Diana's relationship. I think he should have died at the end. <laughs> okay, I thought they were going to try to kill him. Yeah. I, I literally mm-hmm. asked Joe, I was like, wait, are they not trying to kill him? Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was going to be the answer to like getting rid of the stone's power because mm-hmm. he like became the stone so if you want to get rid of the stone you better kill the guy who's the stone right yeah and it's also, a little dark for this movie maybe mm-hmm. but. but like if he wanted to be someone that his son can be proud of and he's motivated by that right and if we're talking about like the context of a monkey paw then maybe mm-hmm. what he needed to do was sacrifice his life <laughs> it's like it wouldn't be any darker than threats of nuclear war right true, true. this is true like, 
and of course it, it uses war in the in the total genre fictiony wars just kind of exist as a kind of a a, a like a folly of the human condition and not a byproduct of systems and people and agendas that get pushed to create such a conflict. It's it's just it's it feels like it's a it feels like it's a story written without con like written without the context it's kind of trying to have. Mm. Like least of which when tackling social issues of any capacity that yeah, it it that this is why it doesn't work. Especially because like even if you wanted to detract from all of that, Maxwell Lord and like it seems specifically with this interpretation of him and how Pedro Pascal's playing him, kind of like you said earlier, they're kind of going for a Trumpian. Like they're going mm-hmm. for like a Trump style, like uh, falling apart, kind of really sleazy. You know, he has the hair. He's in kind of ostentatious suits. Like he he owns a failing business. <laughs> That's actually a scheme. <laughs> like he's he's a caricature written to be uh, a sense of conflict and. If you want to make that caricature just like a, a part of the external plot, then of course that that's why I think that's what makes them so. That's like superheroes working at their best. Of okay, haha, we have created the ideology to punch in this character, so therefore at the end of the movie he will be punched. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we don't get that with him. It like denies you catharsis. Yeah, it, it specifically goes for this narrative about truth, which I think is like directly trying to confront Trumpism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The idea of, like this man lies. Yeah, we get it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the theme is like, well, if you tell everyone else the truth, then it'll be okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. You don't get that catharsis. Um, it's 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 not good. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, okay. I guess I guess like sideways from all of that, I am curious to hear more because we haven't we haven't talked about them them yet. Uh, what do we think about Diane and Steve and their relationship in this movie? Because they're also, like, they probably make up one of the better parts of this. Uh, for as cute as they are, like, kind of mentioned at the beginning, like, their montage moments of them, of her kind of showing him around. And you get the reverse version of Wonder Woman's, like, fish-out-of-water story from the first one, except it's now him, and she's showing him all of the fun stuff of the 80s, like, escalators <laughs> and spaceships. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, this movie has a weird obsession with planes. Um, which, by the way, we haven't even talked about. They did the invisible jet thing. <laughs> yeah. Did we forget about that? Oh my god, those fireworks were <laughs> yeah. so much. Yeah, that felt well, that felt like something that the studio mandated because it was originally going to come out in like late June. So it's like, let's have a 4th of July thing. And then they're like, now mm-hmm. it's coming out on Christmas. Let's add a holiday thing at the end. Um, but... Oh my, yes. <laughs> there, there's a lot shoehorned in. And like, I guess that's also my feeling on their relationship. It Like, it's interesting to pull upon the themes of loss. Mm-hmm. Like, this few, like, her coming to terms with the loss of Steve feels like something a sequel would do. Hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's not exact connection to that relationship from the previous film. It still feels mm-hmm. like the strongest relationship is between Diana and Barbara for me. Mm-hmm. I thought him dressing up was fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I kept thinking about this and I kept thinking about it in relationship to the truth. Because I do, there is, I mean, his final monologue mm-hmm. is actually pretty good. Or at least I like it because I'm saying like, I had a life and it was great. Like, you don't have to get caught up on me kind of thing. Like, go do your other thing. I also just think it's very sweet of him just being like, you know, like, there are plenty of other people out there you could be with. Like, look at this dude. <laughs> like, he's, he's kind of handsome. 
Like, I appreciate this character yeah. also not being, like, weird about, oh, yes, I love this person, so I want her to move on. You know, maybe it doesn't match his 1920s sensibilities, uh, if we're being fair, but for as he exists in this movie as her, her, her himbo yeah. side piece, I like, him. like, yeah, I love, I love he Steve cool. Trevor because he's <laughs> continuously being a supportive boyfriend to Diana. And so, like, I, I thought almost that, I thought almost that the whole <laughs> wish thing and specifically the, the the cause of, like, be careful what you wish for, is that, like, he also isn't entirely Steve. Like, he, he, like he, he gets brought back a version of him that Diana imagines, and so we don't quite get that from them, and it kind of does just make Steve feel like he's just, he's just like an epilogue of the character that existed before. Um, it just feels like it's a bit of a repeat beat the third, t- the third time that conversation happens. Yeah, at that point to me it felt tiresome. Like, their relationship, like, mm-hmm. felt stagnant for a good portion of the movie. Oh, definitely. Um, whereas, mm-hmm. like, there were there was potential for Barbara's to grow more. Okay, when the movie started out, I thought that Barbara and Diana were going to have a romance. I think that would have been much more interesting. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I met so many bi women in college that dressed exactly like Barbara. Also, as I'm looking at you right now, Shannon, you have Barbara's glasses. Yeah, I didn't even notice that I have the same glasses as her. <laughs> <laughs> it's a look. Yeah. Barbara. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah. interesting that we kind of associated like their relationship as potentially being romantic because it seemed like Barbara desired Diana, right? Mm-hmm. And, and what the what the film like acknowledges is like she desired to be like Diana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? That's because this movie's very straight. this movie literally goes out of its way to 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 twist into straightness (laughs) diana is not gay everyone she likes only very conventionally attractive men no one else (laughs) i noticed that too when they were barbara and diana were first at the restaurant talking about like have you ever been in love Mm Hmm. i was half expecting barbara be like blushing be like only once, looking back at Diana. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they were like, who Who was he? Like, mm-hmm. they just mm-hmm. assumed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not surprised, but... <laughs> That's like how you could summarize most of this movie, right? Like, so, yeah. much of, so much of the stuff it's touching upon, it does so, so shallowly that, like, it's like, because it's... And of course, like, once again, studio mandates... Not the fault of, you know, the individual and, like, the, the norms put into this movie that create that. That create that culture where we, we don't get to have those fun narratives where, you know, Wonder Woman gets a girlfriend. Because God forbid. <laughs> Not in my good Christian movie, you know. Where Greek gods exist. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like, that's why it's like, it, it can feel even unsatisfying to even talk about it in that capacity. Because it's just, it's failing to do both, right? Mm-hmm. Even if, even what it has to say is very very minimal on the on on the uh depth yeah it all just felt superficial like i didn't feel like anyone really earned any sort of emotional payoff Mm -hmm. ever Mm -hmm. so how did speaking of emotional payoffs how did you feel about the golden god costume (laughs) i mean listen i don't know the history behind this thing (laughs) (laughs) i was just like okay Mm-hmm. cool costume and i just had a lot of questions about how she got it and like what happened but it didn't really 
mean anything to me as a non-comic reader. Yeah. Yeah, but like thematically, like it's cool. Visually, it's cool. And this is like what they opened their promotional campaign with. And I was pretty disappointed that we didn't get a lot of Golden God costume because that would have been fun. That would have mm-hmm. been like some cool 80s stuff. Instead, they went for a dark blue CGI gray night battle. Oh, um, God. Yeah, kind of sucks. But it's going to look bad in a few years, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, we already don't like it. We already I mean, yeah, bad, but, but like. Mm-hmm. But I, I think for, for me, like, I think the Golden God costume, I keep calling it that. I know that's not what it's called. I'm sorry. Uh, I can't help but think of it that way. What's it called? Oh, let me just check my brain. <laughs> let me just check my brain search right now. <laughs> it is the armor of the legendary Amazonian warrior known as Asteria. Yeah. Oh, so it was her armor. So it's Linda Carter's armor. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I see. The OG Wonder Woman from the cart from the original TV show. But yeah, Diana <laughs> learns to fly for- by letting go of Steve, and then dons this golden costume with wings. Right, and it just. It felt shallow. <laughs> it felt like it should have been a bigger moment for me. Yeah. What about you, Michael? What did you think of that? Uh, I I think I only like the the the. I will continue to call it the Golden God armor because it is funny <laughs> there that way. I think I only liked it when the Wonder Woman theme started playing again. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I because agree. also like the Wonder Woman theme was specifically created for that version of the character, and yeah, like it's like oh, this reminds me, and it's only because it reminds me of the first film. And this specific version of Wonder Woman, I always feel like versions and variation is always going to be better than sticking true to to what we originally know. Like, that's the kind of thing with Cheetah, too. I actually thought Kristen Wiig did look good in, in just, like, the Cheetah print <laughs> outfit. Like, yeah, that's, that is, she's looking great. She, she That's a look that is of the time, and that is fitting for the character. When she becomes a CGI mess, uh, not so much anymore. <laughs> um, and it, the... Feels more like this film's trying to do its own thing. Um, and so, when I think about the armor, it's fine. I like, I think the helmet is a little silly. But, uh, yeah. Oh, you don't like the eagle head? It's just, it's, it just looks a little, like, it's it's like form-fitting, but it also feels, I guess like when I look at it, it just makes me be like, is that cutting into, like, your cheeks? How do you fight <laughs> with that? <laughs> it looks, it looks, it looks painful. Looks spiky. Every superhero costume ever. That's true. That's true. But no, I thought I think it's an interesting point about um that she had to like give up Steve in order to mm-hmm. get this costume and learn to fly mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. once again, like I feel like that's meant to be a feminist moment, but mm-hmm. it doesn't quite land. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. it it still feels so transactional, you know, like it's still forcing her into this box of you must just be like strong independent woman yeah it's forcing her into the costume because it did all the promo marketing for it <laughs> uh and they, and they made all the toys um no i don't mean like the physical costume i mean the fact that she has to give up steve in order to be to embody freedom embody freedom mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. like i get of course that like that's her wish like and that makes sense in the context of the story but mm-hmm. i feel like it again pits the idea of being partnered and like quote-unquote domestic against like being like a strong independent woman yeah maybe i'm pushing it but no i think you're right it like it reinforces that binary that we're so familiar with right that like the domestic woman versus 
like the the career woman, right? Yeah, yeah. Which is like a appropriate conversation for the eighties if they had had that. But <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, right? <laughs> this film is in nineteen eighty four, and it has nineteen eighty four feminist politics. <laughs> Yeah, it it is divorced from it's divorced like from that like larger context of of like what of like feminism told then for for a story now specifically because mm-hmm. it does it does feel like that way with 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 Kristen Wiig like she's just kind of envious of Diana but we don't really have that conversation of why those norms exist at all why do we value attractive people in general. Why is that like an intoxicating thing? And why is that specifically a harmful thing as that becomes like the the crux of her downfall? But because this kind of like Shannon said, this movie's kind of divorced from larger context of what feminism looks like in this movie at this time period. We don't get that complexity. We don't get that nuance. It's just ends up feeling like she's just envious. And that's like her character's fatal flaw. Yeah. And again, like her relationship to is it Max? Maxwell Lord? Maxwell Lord. Mm-hmm. Max? Mm-hmm. <laughs> My buddy Max. Um, My guy? <laughs> <laughs> her relationship to him, like, that fact that he was interested in her, I felt was a big part of what really drew her into wanting to keep the powers and wanting to embrace them. Mm-hmm. Her powers, like, I don't know embodiment of diana Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. i wish they had addressed that as well that like she was only satisfied by these powers because of how it made her relate to men Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the only time that it like even tried to have a conversation about how it would make her feel within herself is when she was in the gym yeah like they're they could have had a really interesting conversation and they just avoided it entirely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why? Like, why do you think this movie was shallow? Were they just taking on too much? Mm-hmm. Do you think they worried that if they went deeper, it wouldn't be light and fun enough? I can hear a studio exec saying that. It, realizing malice doesn't just come from people. You know, like, people create structures that reinforce these things. It's, like, not only complicated, and this is, I think, just a superhero problem in general of just... How do you punch an ideology? You know, it's not because it ultimately can't boil down to one person. And mm-hmm. two, I think people also it then forces it then might force someone to reevaluate how they think about things. And they don't want to do that for a blockbuster movie True. because yeah. we don't want anyone to feel bad about themselves. But I feel like even for sorry to interrupt you, even for oh, you're good. a blockbuster it didn't leave me with that, like, shiny, happy, feel-good feeling. Like, the first one did, I felt like. And mm-hmm. I don't I don't remember a lot about the first one. It's been a minute. But the first one, I at least left with that kind of superficial, like, yeah, women. But I didn't feel that mm-hmm. way at the end of this one. So it, I feel yeah. like it even missed the mark on what it was trying to do. <laughs> it's not a bad yeah. movie. It's not unenjoyable. It just doesn't land. I mean, that's, that's what happens when you start to engage with something, right? Like, you, if you choose to engage with this, okay, then let's talk about it. But they didn't want to, and so they wanted to just have that kind of, like, feminism with a capital F kind of thing without talking about what that actually means, and it just ends up feeling really sad. Mm-hmm. 
naturally we're all we're all leftists here if we see something superficial we're like this isn't this isn't this isn't this isn't what you think it is mm-hmm. and i i i've been looking forward to this movie i wish i wish i enjoyed it more than i did uh same sorry folks at home listening uh, <laughs> or on your commute or at work which may also be at home yeah i wish it was a better time I would even be happier mm-hmm. if it was like just silly, fun '80s fluff, you know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that's what the beginning of the movie was, right? Like, I don't think mm-hmm. we've talked about that. Is that like that's what the beginning of the movie was? It was just like high saturation, high poppy feeling of just Wonder Woman going around, just knocking, yeah. knocking out some bang, some like some people, yeah. and saving some kids. Like, why not? Like that, that was fun. Yeah, like the suit looked good with the poppy colors. Everything was vibrant. <laughs> it was fun. They had a cool '80s pop song playing. I'm forgetting what it was. <laughs> yes, they had a really. Sh- I think the film had a strong, fun first act. It just got bogged down, but it just it just got bogged down by so many different threads and and confusing themes. A weird monkey, an inconsistent monkey's pause plot point, <laughs> MacGuffin, and some some weird Trump allegories and some racist shit, uh, which we haven't even talked about. <laughs> But <laughs> yeah, it's it's the same thing. I think it's the same thing with the with the. It's almost I think almost like the, it equating, the 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 story of 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 this of this of Maxwell Lord in this specific scenario is doing the failing things. I think a lot of, uh, liberal media will try to do where it is like ah yes like you know both of these people experience discrimination. And they both went to villainy without questioning how racism is specifically different than feminism, which is different than homophobia. And they just kind of all lump it together with mm-hmm. like discrimination with the capital D. Like, no, all of these like in the same way that gender is more complicated and, you know, and than people think give it credit for. It's at least of which it's how it depicts anywhere that's not America <laughs> or e- or even just. I don't know if you can have a Trump character or a Trump allegory and then be like, he's not white. Like he's, he's, yeah, he's secretly a brown weird. man who suffered from assimilation. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think, yeah, you're like, I don't wait think a minute. having the effect you wanted to. <laughs> that felt weird. <laughs> you're like, wait a minute. What are we doing now? Like the, as soon as we went into the backstory in the third act, I, I was just like, one, what, see, like what, what, what are you doing? And then they didn't address it at all. Yeah. Like, no, it was meant to be like it was meant to be like his call to action to care about his son. But that, like that's what it was trying to do, but it didn't work. No. No. Maybe if you connect a bunch of dots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 just it's just bad. Mm-hmm. Uh it's just it's just lazy. It's I guess it's one, it's lazy storytelling. Like and I feel like there'll be a, a people who might rise to defend this in the realms of like it's trying to, but also like if you're trying to engage with this this movie was created by one of the most uh, profitable uh, movie producing companies. Like they had the money to do the research and like put the time into it. This isn't an this isn't an indie film. They had they had the ability to do more, specifically with this IP as well. And so that's why I think it feels like extra bad. And we all we all we all wanted a, we all wanted a good Wonder Woman too. It's still better than Batman versus Superman, but <laughs> it's still better than Man of Steel. Still better than Man of Steel. Still, still better than Suicide Squad. Still better than Suicide Squad. You know, it it it's not. It ain't no Birds of Prey, but 
you know, in terms of the DCEU, it's, uh, sadly, I think it's still towards the top. <laughs> okay, so here's the question. So we don't think it's, would we agree that we think the first Wonder Woman movie is better than this one? I do. Yes. I guess this is more of a question for Michael then, because uh, I don't believe you've seen this movie, but do you think this is better than Aquaman? I have seen Aquaman. You have seen Aquaman? Yeah. When did you watch Aquaman? I don't remember with someone else who wanted to see it. I don't remember who. Well, if you're listening to this podcast and you know Shannon, let us know if you were the one who took her to see Aquaman. Because that's another two and a half hour movie. Oh, yeah, I fell asleep. <laughs> I did not fall asleep during Fair. this movie. Congratulations. Thanks. Aquaman's boring as hell, so I will say this movie's better than Aquaman. <laughs> I think Aquaman is just as overstuffed in this movie. I think Aquaman was two movies in one, uh, if I remember it correctly. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't remember it. <laughs> you don't remember <laughs> it. Aquaman was like two movies in one, and I think if they just split it in half and like gave characters a bit more development, it could have been some fun camp. Mm-hmm. Um, swashbuckling mm-hmm. camp or whatever. But yeah I, yeah, I guess this is better than Aquaman. I think it's better than Aquaman. Okay. Yeah. What do you think, Michael? I agree, absolutely. Yeah, it's this Aquaman is a Aquaman's a separate mess that maybe we could tackle some other day. But this movie is absolutely better. I had more fun in this movie than I did in Aquaman, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I think that yeah, that's that's not nothing, you know. No, and I think it like at least made me ask these questions. Yeah, I feel like Aquaman didn't. Maybe I just slept through the parts that did. No, I wouldn't say Aquaman was. What if fish people? (laughs) (laughs) What if fish people? What if Atlantis? What if gills, Shannon? What if gills? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Aquaman's not a thought-provoking movie. It has like it starts out like this movie. It starts out with like maybe an interesting question, and -hmm. then it completely like does not go into it at all, Mm -hmm. and then just kind of goes into like some high fantasy stuff, but with fish. So why is Warner Brothers like this? <laughs> Ain't that the question? I don't know. Um, Warner Brothers <laughs> is real hit and miss for me, man. Sometimes they can pull an it, which has its own problems. Stephen King's first mm-hmm. it st- has has its own issues, but I would still say it's a good movie. Um, mm-hmm. but anyway, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why Warner Brothers yeah. is like this. Why are most movie studios like this? Why can't every movie <laughs> studio be like a twenty four and Pixar? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's okay. Uh, wrapping thoughts. What are what are our final thoughts on uh, Wonder Woman 1984? I'll let down. <laughs> <laughs> Don't hold back, Shannon. <laughs> Give us your honest thoughts. That's my take. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would I would um I would say that like this movie just needed to pick one. Just pick one. Mm-hmm. Pick one. Mm-hmm. Preferably not the Maxwell Lord one, but pick one. Um, yeah. That's my take. Agreed. I, it's like I, I think you're both right. This movie was a letdown, big time. You had something here. There was definitely something interesting here, and it just got it just got buried underneath a bunch of nonsense. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, there's there's something to be said. I I love. Believe me, I love heroes fighting their emotions. I love them fighting their feelings as much as uh, the next person. So just focus on that. We all got feelings. I would say, I was like, it's too bad that this is uh, the last movie we had to do for season one of Pop the Culture Podcast. <laughs> I know. 
we are we are ending this uh ending this talking about a long letdown um hopefully we're saving you some time unless you still are interested in this movie and you want to analyze it yourself what aren't uh, we gonna believe what what aren't we going to believe this movie costs 200 million dollars to make this does not need to be 200 million dollars babe that that's as that's like nearly as much as an avengers movie which I would argue also doesn't need to be two hundred. I agree. <laughs> Avengers does not need to be two hundred million dollars, but the difference is an Avengers movie has so much fucking talent and requires so much CG. Yeah, what's his face needs what fifty million? You're talking about our Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, the man needs fifty million dollars. Yeah, um, bullshit. But like, I hope Kristen Wiig got paid two hundred million dollars. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> but no, like this, that's insane. Like to me, that just screams that they did. They reshot that entire third act. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Like they literally had to like reshoot half the movie to to it's, make that up. It's messy. It feels like scrambled together, which is a real shame because I can tell that there were people who put thought in this. Oh, definitely. And mm-hmm. and like that's another thing that like we I guess we don't discuss enough about film. Like th- filmmaking is such a large process. There are a lot of mm-hmm. cogs in this machine. Like, a lot of people worked really hard on this movie, and I see that, and I respect that. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. whoever was making the final decisions made bad ones. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, that's usually Pat, that's usually the director, who in this case would be Patty Jenkins. But on the other hand, she still has to answer to producers and executives. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, she probably tried. I, I, I bet she tried her best. <laughs> yeah. I think, I mean, she definitely cares about this property a lot. Mm-hmm. And she felt very passionately about the first movie. I mean, I feel like I just want to know what actually happened with this third act. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or with the three, just the three stories. Yeah. The A, B, C, D, E, and F plots. Like, I would genuinely be interested mm-hmm. in hearing her... Behind-the-scenes behind take. Behind-the-scenes take. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or the, the four-hour yeah, director's cut. <laughs> <laughs> Make it longer. Release the Jenkins the cut. <laughs> it's, it's just a, it's just a short series at that point <laughs> yeah they just released the jenkins cut and it's a it's it's a four-part hour-long series yeah. on hbo max i would watch it oh my god <laughs> if, they, if they actually mm-hmm. follow through on all of those things i would watch it mm-hmm. that's true mm-hmm. so you know there, there you go yeah you hearing us that patty was... jenkins <laughs> <laughs> well that certainly was Wonder Woman versus the Art of the Deal. Oh my god. Oh my gosh. That's the movie title. Oh my well, I get it now. I get the tweet. I get it. Well, thank you very much for listening, everyone. This has been a fun season one of Pop Culture Podcast. And I guess, and I'm, and I'm so happy that you're able to join us. I mean, I wish we got a, I wish we got a better movie <laughs> for you to watch with us, Shannon, for our final episode. But I do think <laughs> if we didn't do it enough during the Back to the Future episode, uh, thank you for everything you do. You've been Aww. a consistent uh, person of support this entire process. You've created countless things and been helpful for the editing and just the producer. We couldn't ask for a better associate producer. For this for this podcast so thank you very oh. much shannon oh you're welcome i support you thank you shannon for supporting <laughs> us for helping mm. us you know give us guidance thank you yeah. for our artwork uh, yeah that's true yeah. 
She did the mm-hmm. artwork for the show. But stay tuned for a rebrand. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So we're mm-hmm. we're gonna be doing some changes uh in between uh season one and season two, which will probably start somewhere I guess late winter, maybe early spring twenty twenty one. TBD. <laughs> TBD. We will but uh we will be back. And uh mm-hmm. uh we hope uh hope you enjoy listening to us then. Yeah. I I also think it's worth saying. Uh I love you, Joe. And uh-huh. I'm so happy to have you as my co-host throughout all this. Uh, I, I love you too, Michael. And I'm so happy to have you to, to bounce off of with my bad ideas. Um, <laughs> I really appreciate No bad it. ideas here. Only ideas. And I appreciate <laughs> us giving each other love and it, it, right in front of my girlfriend. This is great. Um, Perfect. I, I want to give our listeners some love. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you so much uh, if you have been here since the beginning. Uh, thank you for supporting us. Thank you uh, for uh, spreading the word. You know who you are. <laughs> Thank you for letting us use your HBO Max, Hulu, and Disney Plus accounts. You know who you are. Uh... <laughs> you have a weird password. <laughs> <laughs> You're really going to judge the passwords for security. <laughs> it's for security reasons, okay? <laughs> We're really going to throw shade we're gonna end season one of our <laughs> podcast throwing shade at, our, at a password that has enabled this podcast. Okay, Michael, cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. None of this episode's gonna get cut. We're just keeping all of it. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, as always, thank you very much for listening, everyone. Uh, we will look forward to talk to you then, and thank you. Happy holidays and a happy new year. Hopefully uh, 2021 will have good things in store for all of us. But until then, we'll talk to you next time. Bye. 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 All right. Thank you very much for listening to another episode of Pop the Culture Podcast. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And if you want to keep the conversation going, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also email us any of your thoughts or questions at poptheculturePod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. I'd love to thank our PR guy, Joseph Tomlin. And I'd like to thank our editor, Michael Ruiz. <laughs> and I have been your host, Michael Ruiz. You can find me at twitter.com at next underscore entry. And the video essays I write on my YouTube channel, Next Entry. I have also been your host, Joseph Tomlin. You can find me on twitter.com and instagram at joke tomlin that is j-o-u-k-t-o-m-l-i-n thanks again for listening everyone